PhD is short for Doctor of Philosophy. This podcast shares tips of real-life doctoral students who will eventually defend a dissertation at the end of their academic journey. In this special edition of PhD Tips, we are joined by a special guest who will share their wisdom and five tips for students looking to successfully complete a PhD. If you have been following the ride, thank you for tuning back in. And if you are new, welcome to PhD Tips. Renice Sauls is currently a second-year PhD student in the Educational Leadership and Policies Program at the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Her research interests include intersectionality identities of African-American women in educational leadership, critical race feminism, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how it impacts African-American women in leadership. Professionally, Renice currently serves as the coordinator of educator effectiveness for the elementary schools in a South Carolina school district. Previously, she was an education associate and regional support transformation coach for the South Carolina Department of Education, where she led the early development of a statewide implementation guidance for student learning objectives and oversaw induction and mentoring for the state's newest teachers and coached principals in South Carolina's priority schools. Renice earned a Bachelor's of Arts in Communication Disorders from Winthrop University, a Master's of Arts in Teaching, and an Educational Specialist degree from South Carolina State University. Please help me in welcoming Renice Sauls. All right, so we have Renice Sauls on the podcast. And I want to say thanks for coming uh, and agreeing to come, uh, you know, share some of your genius on the podcast. So thanks. <laughs> well, I don't know about genius, but I'll do what I can. Um, so thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, cool. So um, if you have, if you didn't know, um, this podcast is basically set up for um hopeful PhD students or um, students who are already PhD students mm-hmm. and um, specifically uh, students of color um, looking to you know, be successful on this track. And not any and everyone comes on PhD tips. So um, there's something special about you, which I hope everyone finds out uh, today. <laughs> well, oh, the pressure. The pressure. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I'm- honored to have an opportunity to talk with you and hopefully can share some tips that will help um, help folks out. Cool. All right. So um, so in the pre-recording, I'm going to introduce you. Mm-hmm. So um, before we do that, you know, just let us know in your voice um, who you are, where, where you come from, and um, maybe where you're going to school. Okay. Um, so again, I am Renice Sauls. I live in a um, small place called Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is really a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I have the benefit of living in a, a quiet place, but all the amenities of the city. Um, I am a second year PhD student at the University of South Carolina, Go Cox. I'm located in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, my program is the Ed Leadership and Policies Program, and my concentration is K-12 Educational Administration. Um, so 
professionally, I am a school district administrator for a school district in my area, um, but I've also had some experience working at the South Carolina Department of Education, um, as well as local school districts between North and South Carolina, where I've worked as a teacher, an administrator, facilitator, and a few other roles. So um, as far as like my research interests, in my program, I really want to look at African-American women in educational leadership, um, their experiences and how they experience inclusivity in their work environments, and then how that impacts their trajectories for higher level leadership opportunities mm -hmm. within their districts and within their organizations. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you already know what it means to be busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I, I got a few things on the list. <laughs> right, right. So um, yeah, so I'm fine. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, you know, hopefully I can, um, you know, have some tips for folks who are both working professionals and full time students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm as I'm meeting more people in um, your field and study. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like you guys are busy people already and you just hey i'm gonna go do school while i'm doing it <laughs> right right i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> but, you know, hey, i got enough stuff to do i'm gonna go ahead and do a phd while i'm at it <laughs> why not right. life. cool so um so the first question i like to ask all the all the uh featured guests uh that come on to phd tips is sort of a question that um i hope gives the listeners um, a, a story about themselves where it basically shows them that you are just a person and you know you hopefully similar to many people had a similar upbringing and academic journey mm -hmm. so um, the question is can you share uh, what your academic journey is and you can go as far as back as you want to um, from kindergarten or you can start even before then or you can start high school wherever you want to start um, you know, just let people know what your academic journey was until this point. Well, at the ripe old age of five, <laughs> I started kindergarten. Nobody wants to hear that story. Um, <laughs> although I am very grateful for all the teachers who poured into me all those many years. I'm going to fast forward to um, probably undergrad. I um, attended okay. Winthrop University here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Go Eagles. Um, where my major is actually um, communication disorders and speech pathology. Um, and that was interesting because it was a great field and I loved my study, but I ended up going to grad school right after undergrad to become a teacher. So I um, never actually got a chance to work in the field of speech pathology mm. and went straight into grad school to become a teacher. Um, didn't think I really wanted to be a teacher and went in kind of on a contingency, like, okay, if I do well in these classes, I'll stay in the program. Or if I pass, you know, the praxis, I'll stay in the program. Well, did all those things and did really well um, and ended up getting a master's degree in teaching, a master's of arts in teaching um, mm -hmm. and loved the field, you know, loved being a teacher, loved working with students. Um, a lot of my work experience, both in Columbia, South Carolina and in Charlotte, North Carolina, were in um, high need schools with high needs, high um, potential students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so you know, I was blessed to have those opportunities um, as a teacher in both. Um, you know, on through my career up until I left to go to the state um, of South Carolina. 
Mm-hmm. But um, so through my experience, you know, as a teacher, you know, had a number of like teacher leadership roles. Most of them were kind of informal, not actually like a position, but had a lot of t- opportunities to lead from my classroom. And so I decided that I wanted to get a degree in administration. Mm-hmm. So I went back to graduate school and got a uh, educational specialist degree in educational administration from South Carolina State University. Um, And it was there, you know, I never thought I wanted to be a superintendent, um, but it was there and through that program that certified me to be a superintendent that I realized, you know what, district leadership, um, you know, and leading on a little larger scale, I I could maybe do that. And it's something that I was, you know, had some interest in. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, fast forward a couple of months after my graduation, I was working as a school administrator in Charlotte and got an opportunity to, um, I applied for a job rather, and got an opportunity to work at the Department of Education in South Carolina, leading some state level initiatives, all centered around educator effectiveness and evaluation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, got an opportunity to do that. Um, and that's where my, you know, my ed specialist degree really kicked in because, you know, I've had that study and looking at large organizations and looking at leading organizations and leading change. So, you know, my educational and my academic journey was had really prepared me for my professional journey. Mm-hmm. Um, after a few years of doing that and transitioning into another role at the Department of Education, um, where I got an opportunity to coach principals in some of our state's priority schools, um, I decided that I was, you know, kind of ready to settle down a little bit and not travel as much for work. So I went to um, a local school district and took a district administrator job in educator effectiveness. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for two years. And while, you know, now that I'm a little more settled um, physically, I thought that this was the opportunity for me to go ahead and start um, applying to doctoral programs. Mm-hmm. So I did that and had initially been accepted into an EDD program um, at South Carolina State. Um, But when I was starting my new job, decided, okay, let me not do a new program and a new job at the same time. (laughs) So I I set out for, you know, I deferred for a year, actually. And during that deferment, I decided to apply to the University of South Carolina for the PhD program. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here I was kind of vacillating between these, between these two um, terminal degrees, trying to figure out which one, um, you know, I really wanted to pursue. And I landed on the um, the PhD in ed leadership at the University of South Carolina. Nice. So that brings me here. Woo-hoo, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Dope. So <clears throat> you gave us a little bit of... Um, a, a glimpse into your your uh, research interests. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in your second year. And how long is how long is your program? <laughs> Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I'm realizing is is these programs can be as open ended as you like. Oh man. To be. <laughs> right. There's really no end point. Um, I'll never forget my advisor shared with us during. Um, one of our first classes that on average, it takes people about five and a half years to complete the program that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not Renice's ministry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Renice is going to shoot for three and a half years. (laughs) I told him, thank you for the data. (laughs) 
but you and I, we're going to try to do this in three and a half years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, okay. my, that's my goal. So I'm, I'm right. praying for December, 2022. All right. Well, I'm going to pray for you too. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I'm assuming you, you write a dissertation in this is right. Correct. Cool. So I have you started writing already? No, no, no. Okay. Um, yeah, still doing coursework. Um, but I'm starting to, you know, really craft my research questions and my topic. My topic has evolved pretty much with cool. every class that I've taken so far. All right. Cool. So um you so you gave so you gave the your your research interest. So I'm wondering um if uh if you have right as of now uh an executive summary of what your dissertation will be about or if you can fast forward into um your your end date. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you defend your dissertation, you know, what is it going to be about um, in your dissertation? So um, my my goal is that my dissertation really focuses on the lived experiences of African-American women in educational organizations, namely school districts, um, and a few things. Number one, looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically inclusion and belonging, and how we, because I'm, I'm included in that group, yeah. how we experience um, inclusivity and the inclusive workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I want to look at. Two, I want to look at that experience of inclusivity or the inclusivity of your organization. How does that impact my opportunities to engage or to um, aspire to higher level leadership opportunities. So like I'm what I consider like a middle level district administrator. How do I get to, you know, what impact does my organization's commitment to inclusive practices, what impact does that have on my ability to aspire to, you know, executive directorship or assistant superintendency um, within my district? Um, so those are the main two of the main things that I really want to focus on um, with the outcome being folks who, you know, encounter my research, look at their districts and look at their the practices that they have in place and determine whether or not they really are inclusive of everyone and these diverse folks that they um, serve and employ. And yeah. then um, and if not hopefully we'll walk out with some strategies on how to put things in place to support African-American women in particular in attaining higher level leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a question. This is kind of a me question. This is not Mm -hmm. on the script. And um, because my interest is in mathematics and computer science. So and speaking to you know, if I seen you um, in a meeting, I would think, you know, you know, she is, you know, district person, admin, you know, this is the person that makes um, the decisions. And so what do you, so what do you kind of say to the whole, um, I not even idea, the sentiment about, well, um, we can't find any uh, people of color to fill the roles of the STEM kind of classes, courses, discipline to teach our students? Um, Because I don't buy it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't either. Um, So to kind of just jump in, you know, I would challenge the organization, particularly in regards to like HR, 
that's one of the areas that I really want to look at is diversity and inclusion and equity in regards to human resources. Where are you going to find and recruit diverse populations of people, in particular people of color? Mm -hmm. Um, So where are you going? How are you attracting them? What? Because it's one thing to go out and find them and hire you know, a bunch of black folks, because some people think that's the answer. But then (laughs) once you get in there, what do you do to keep them? Mm -hmm. What do you do to ensure that they feel as though they belong in your organization? Because to me, that's part of the the disconnect. Again, a lot of folks go in out and they say, okay, well, we need some, we need to diversify. We need some color. So they go out and hire, you know, black people and bring them in. But then when we come into the organizations, we don't the culture is not one that is accepting of us, mm-hmm. nor is it one that embraces us and reflects us. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things I want to look at. So to your point, I don't buy it either. Um, Cause you get, give me 10 minutes. I can call a room full of people. That's um, what I'm saying. <laughs> people that, that meet and exceed the qualifications for whatever exactly. you're looking for. Yeah. It's, I don't, yeah. It's, it's so crazy because it's, it's, it's rare. You get to um, speak to, especially um, with district leaders that, you know, are making these decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, every chance I get, I always ask that question. Well, you know, what do you have to say about that? Mm-hmm. And it's never what you just said. Oh, you know, we're going to this place, that place. You know, it's always a runaround. It's like, you got to get better. <laughs> right. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then, and you have to, and by, by being intentional, you have to look at every aspect of your organization yeah. and, and whatever you say you believe about diversity, equity, and inclusion, make sure that your policies and practices match that exactly, and mirror that. And so that's ultimately like, if I could, you know, the world, according to Renice, that's what I would do, you know, probably forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So let me get myself out of the facilitation. <laughs> Back to facilitation. Um, so your second year in, so I'm, I'm currently a first year student and um, sooner or later, I'll probably record myself talking about um, my day to day. And you're in a different uh, discipline and study than me. So I'm assuming your days are different and um, and right now, specifically, considering we're in a pandemic, yeah. uh, you have had two sort of, well, yeah, you had one and a half sort of modalities of doing work. So like pre-COVID, you know, mm-hmm. what was a typical day like for you as a PhD student? And, you know, when that March um, March hit and the pandemic closed, you know, what was it like then as well? So like, what was your, what was your day-to-day like? So pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, you know, like I said, I'm a working professional. So eight to four, you know, I'm working, you know, in my organization, taking care of of the things there. My role, I support principals and teachers in implementing our state's evaluation system, um, among some other things, dealing with like teacher certification or recertification and um, some professional development for our teachers and even some administrators and training. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's that's me eight to four every day, pre and post COVID. But um, my university, I was taking face-to-face classes pre COVID. Mm-hmm. So, and my university is a little over an hour away from where I live and work. So okay. then I was hitting the road 
you know, um, to class. Yeah. And so we'd have class from like five to eight mm-hmm. most nights. Um, and we have a, we're, we have kind of a cohort model, but it's, in my opinion, kind of a loose one where we start our first year, you know, we're taking our class, all of our classes together. And then this being our second year, there's a little bit of flexibility mm-hmm. in what we take. We still have one core course that we have to take, but the others, you know, there's some flexibility. So there are other people from other cohorts in our classes um, and some of my cohorts, not in my class. Um, so yeah, class from, you know, for three hours, once a week, the, once a week per class. So in my case, I was there twice a week. Um, and then trying to stay awake to to read <laughs> articles and write. Um, a lot of my um, time on the weekends actually got spent working, doing schoolwork, the reading, the writing, you know, the posts, anything that needed to be done. It was happening on Saturday and Sunday um, and sometimes even Friday night. Now, post-COVID, during and post-COVID, my world hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, You know, I did have some, our school district did shut down, you know, in-person school and classes, but also, um, you know, for those of us working in the district office, we eventually had to work from home. So I was working from home, but I was also still taking classes. So my classes transitioned to online. So I would literally be sitting at my, my desk from 7.30 in the morning till 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Well, A couple times um, with that, it was really hard, you know, just the circumstances of the nature of the, what was going on in the world and how that was, you know, impacting our lives directly on top of still being, you know, still being a working professional and still being a full-time PhD student. Mm, yeah. Um, our university has transitioned, or at least our programs transitioned to online classes this semester and during the summer. So summer, I was taking an online class, and I have two online classes, you know, this semester currently. So, um, and I'm back in the office working. So, you know, my my world has changed some during that March, April, May, June, and then in July, I started going back to work. Mm-hmm. On site, um, but my classes so far have all been online, you know, which is a different experience. Yeah, you know, and I, I love my cohort, I love my classes, and I enjoyed being there face to face. But it's a little more challenging sometimes doing it online. Mm-hmm. I will say this: it has saved me a lot of time and money <laughs> and gas because I don't have to yeah. drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a challenge. So you have to be a little more intentional about connecting with folks, mm-hmm. you know, your professors or your um, your classmates, just being really intentional about connecting with them um, because we're in the state that we're in. Yeah. It seems like you're managing it gracefully, though. You know what? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> there, I hit the wall. I hit the wall like a, like a big dog. Yeah, <laughs> earlier, but I'm taking it in stride. Yeah, because you know it's you know when at least I know when I was applying and not even applying actually when I was thinking about doing a PhD, mm-hmm. it, it was like you know PhD. It it seems so official, seems so far, seems so. Am I ready? Mm-hmm. Oxford syndrome, all that, and so like you know, your, your response is just, 
to me, it's like, you know, you got to take it one step at a time because like the pandemic, things happen. Right. <laughs> things things happen. you never expected. Exactly. Yeah. And you do. You just have to take, you know, take it for what it's worth, kind of take in the whole experience and, and just do what you can when you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're there to learn, right? And That's you're, right. You're there to learn. That's right. <laughs> cool. So... Uh, so this next question is, uh, you know, it's basically trying to think back exactly mm-hmm. to the point um, when you said, all right, I am about to do a PhD. And maybe this is why, but if you don't have a this is why, you don't have to say that. But mm-hmm. do you remember like the exact moment? And if there's a story that encapsulated, say that mm-hmm. um, like, when you decided you was going to pursue that PhD. So I think it happened multiple times for me. Um, You remember, I I was actually admitted into an EDD program initially and then decided to do the PhD and had overlooked it because I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to do research. You know, that's not my thing. I'm a practitioner. Mm -hmm. I want to go in, you know, go into organizations and, and do the work. So never really thought I wanted to be um, a researcher scholar in that regard. Um, But I attended a conference, um, a work-related conference, um, right before I applied to my PhD program Mm -hmm. and heard a gentleman speak. And he has a PhD. He is a scholar. He is a professor at a very um, renowned university here in this country, particularly in the, in the, on you know the eastern united states and he's Mm -hmm. brilliant and i heard him speak and i you know and he was speaking to a room full of practitioners and everything he had to say was so powerful you know of course it was all based on his data and Mm -hmm. his research and it was so powerful but i could see where there was a gap between him being a researcher scholar and having not been a practitioner I could see the gap between him and this room full of practitioners. Yep. And then thinking just, you know, my experiences as a practitioner, how I can't tell you, I mean, you know, again, I never saw myself as a researcher outside of school and projects. I don't know that I've read many research articles, you know, pertaining pertaining to my field. So it was kind of at that point, I realized that I wanted to be the bridge Mm-hmm. For for that gap, I yeah. wanted to be the one who bridged the gap between the research and the scholarship, and what does this look like on the ground when I am, you know, opening up a building and a thousand kids are about to walk in. Yeah, you know, so I wanted to be that bridge between the scholar and the practitioner, um, without ever removing myself as a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the that was the first time I realized, okay perhaps the PhD is the way to go because I'll, I'll never, you know, I'll never get rid of my lived experiences as a practitioner, mm-hmm. but I could gain so much, you know, developing and learning as a scholar. And this is a whole new skill set, mm-hmm. you know, for me, learning as a scholar and then bridging and combining that with the, the experiences that I've had as a practitioner. I thought this is like, this is key. This is what I want to do. So mm-hmm. that was my, um, probably the first time I realized that I wanted to do a PhD. The second time 
believe it or not, was when I walked into my interview for my PhD program. Well, you know, I'm here. This It just got real. <laughs> um, so I walked in and I was interviewed. My interview panel um, was a black man, consisted of a black man, a mm-hmm. Latino man, and an Asian man. Mm-hmm. Now we won't talk about the fact that they were all men, yeah. but the the racial and cultural diversity there, just as I walked into this room, I was I was very I was impressed. I was shocked because um, you know I, I attend the flagship university of our state, yeah, which has been here for you know however eighteen something was established then and so I really didn't expect the diversity to be quite honest with you um so I was very pleasantly surprised and intrigued and motivated to sit in this room full of this room of scholars who were all men of color yeah so um it was there I was like okay this this might be this might be the deal yeah maybe they were the welcoming party huh right (laughs) Right, this might be the deal. And then the fact that one in particular who who is my advisor, you know, I could tell that they had true interest in me because he, you know, I walked and he said, I've been waiting to meet you. I read mm-hmm. your resume. Your experiences, you know, are kind of right up my alley. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to talk to you. And so them just being diverse you know, themselves, and then hearing their research areas, yeah, they were all things that I am passionate about in education. Mm-hmm. You know, one's focus was in, my advisor, his focus is in HR. Um, and then me working in at effectiveness, and it's like basically like performance management and performance evaluation, you know, that's an arm of HR. One of the other gentlemen, his focus was really on like ed leadership and equity, um, in regards to education and educational systems across our state and even across the country. So they were both, um, you know, they were all involved in research that spoke to me mm-hmm. and that I had an interest in. So those were the two times that I realized and decided that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's the last story, you know, it must have felt good. It must have felt so good um, that, you know, they received you and it's like, wow, you really read my application. Right. Want, you know, you were waiting for me. Um, and also being pleasantly surprised and impressed that, you know, you've seen diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, although there were, <clears throat> there were no women, there's always something about walking into a room and it's diverse. Right. Um, and, you know, this, like when I was in my undergrad, mm-hmm. you know, a predominantly white institution, and you know, for a, a, I became an RA, and mm-hmm. at a, at a certain point, you know, I was on campus all day, every day, you know, I was just in, just with white people all day, <laughs> and <laughs> like when I was, I, I went to my first uh, National Society of Black Engineers conference, uh-huh. um, and when I walked into the arena, all these brown faces, and you know, I'm black, I have a black family, mm-hmm. but there's something so different about walking into a, a room, an arena full of, um, you know, brown faces who right. are saying, we are going to be scholars. Right. And, you know, it's so warm. It's so warm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can't remember. Yeah. These are my nieces coming up the stairs. Hopefully they don't mess with us. <laughs> cool. All right. So thanks for that story. And, um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I connect with that story so much. Cool. So the moment everyone waiting for. <laughs> oh, boy. So this is like a, the chance for you to, um, you know, say, you know, all the tips that you want to share with um, the listeners. And, you know, if you want to just go off, you can go off. It's, it's unscripted. You can do whatever you need to do. Um, okay. Be mindful that um, this podcast is, is speaking to um, people that look like you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be real, be real, and, you know, do your thing. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, I'm ready. So I think my first tip, um, which has proven to be very helpful for me, is to find your tribe, find your people, mm-hmm. and and stay connected to them. Yeah. And, and that can look like a number of different things that can look like your classmates and cohort members, you know, you all connecting there. Um, people that are in your program that may um, may be a year or two ahead of you so they can turn around and kind of give you some advice when you need it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's helpful. Trust me, that that's extremely helpful. Um, so like peers, find a network or tribe of peers. Um, also find somebody that's not going through the same thing that you are going through. So somebody who's not in a PhD program yeah. that can kind of be your mirror and, and reflect to you what's going on in your life that you may or may not be aware of. So somebody, you know, a friend, significant other, whomever, parent, you know, who can turn around and be like, Renice, you know what, you, you've been studying and reading and at your desk for the last eight hours. Mm-hmm. It's time to turn it off and let's go for a walk or, you know, whatever, whatever it takes for you. But um, so find that tribe, again, those classmates and, and people in your program who know what you're going through, but find somebody who doesn't, you know, have that experience um, that's outside of your program that can kind of help you keep some balance. Um, also find, identify a mentor, and that may or may not be your advisor, mm-hmm. your yeah. assigned advisor. Find somebody who has the same research interests that you do. So so they've done it before they're published. They might even be a professor at your university. For me, it's, um, it's a few folks. I have, you know, a girlfriend who has a PhD from, um, from our university, but a different program. Um, you know, I call her because she's, she's lived this life before. I call her, um, and some of my other friends who have doctorates, you know, call on them to talk through certain things. Um, and then I do have my advisor, you know, who plays that more official role. But um, find find a mentor as well who can kind of talk to you about, you know, what you could be doing, what you should be doing to help steer you in regards to your, um, like your research or kind of what classes to take or, or some outlets here and there, some resources, all that kind of stuff. But find, find your tribe and find your people and, and connect with them and stay connected with them. Yeah. Like my, my cohort, we have a couple different text threads going on 
and one in particular, like we text, okay, this assignment is due, or have you read this, or this professor just sent out an email, check it out, or, you know, Pat, Patty and um and Dion Warwick's versus is coming on tomorrow night. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we we cover the gamut as far as or you know as far as our our group or our tribe is um, concerned. So that's my first thing: find your people and and stick with them. Yeah. So um that's yeah so that's number one. Uh, number two is another one that I have have learned and am learning. And that is to prioritize your self-care and prioritize yourself. Um, You know, the old adage, you can't pour from an empty cup. (laughs) Some people try, though. (laughs) Right, right. That's true. That is a true thing. For me, for example, you know, I had all these plans starting yesterday of work that I was going to get done. I was going to stay up. Cliff, I was going to stay up all night last night and work. (laughs) You know, I was going to come home from work, take a nap then get up and work through the night because it'll be nice and quiet. Yeah. I can do this. Cliff, I went down for a nap and I didn't wake up till <laughs> this morning. Okay? <laughs> My body was tired. <laughs> and so I needed to listen. So I rolled over and I went to bed. And, and I got up this morning to do some work and I, my body still wouldn't let me. So yeah, I'm just getting started. <laughs> you know, my day is really just getting started around two o'clock today. Now, you know, do, do I have things that I could have done? Yes. Do I feel a little guilty about it? Yes. But I'm starting not to. Um, and you can't. You have to take care of yourself. So rest when your body tells you to rest. Take breaks when your mind tells you to take breaks. Um, create some balance and be very intentional about the about the balance you create. You yes, you are a PhD student, but yes. Life still goes on around that. You still have a life. You yeah. still have, you know, things to do, people to see, people that need to see you. So, like, schedule schedule in times where you are going to focus on something else that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Whether it is exercising, I ain't really about that ministry either. But <laughs> um, not all the time. But don't tell my trainer that. Um, <laughs> You know, reading, shopping, if you're into art, you know, yoga, meditation, whatever you do, make sure you do it and and balance that time. You know, I have another mentor who's more of a professional mentor for me, and he's always hollering at me like, Saul, you're still working. You got to stop sometime and do something for yourself. So, you know, it's important. Prioritize yourself. Prioritize your self-care. Um, and I know I talked a lot about kind of like physical and, and take, taking rest, but also find a therapist and find somebody that you can talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Get one, even if you don't think you need one, because uh, being a, a doctoral student is hard work and mm-hmm. it is stressful. And sometimes you are experiencing stress and you don't realize it and it's manifesting in ways that you may not be aware of mm. and you just want to make sure that you are healthy both physically and emotionally and even mentally so yeah. you know take account of your mental health get help what really whether you think you need it or not um so that's that you know that's kind of my thing there yeah you know, have an outlet balance you know keep your friends and your family and your loved ones around you 
Mm-hmm. But um, but prioritize yourself and your self care. Yeah. So I think that was two. Yep. Okay. So one of the third things I would suggest, and this kind of goes counter to um, like advice you would hear from other folks, but I'm going to just go out there and say it. You know, usually people tell you, you know, go into your program, have your topic decided, you know, very, very early on and don't venture from that. You just continue to, you know, focus on that, do all your coursework related to that. And that is great advice. You know, I went in with that mentality. I gave myself a semester. Okay. Like by the end of the semester, Renise, you need to know what you're going to do because everything you, every article you read, every paper you write, every piece of data you code is going to be centered around this. But my advice is to not be married to your topic. Uh, don't be afraid to see other people <laughs> a little bit um, because, and this was my experience, as I got into my first class in my program and started reading, it was a sociology of education class, and started reading all of this other literature about different topics. And you start, when you read these things and experience these things, you it it shifts your lens and how you look at the world and how you look at your world and the work. So um, don't, don't be so locked into a topic that you don't think about others, you know, because you're going to be exposed to a lot of other topics and literature um, and research and data throughout your coursework. So be, be open to considering other topics or how you can layer in some other um, fields or topics into your dissertation topic or what you, what you study for your dissertation. Um, you know, like for me, my classmates, my cohort members probably got tired of me because every time, you know, we would have somebody come to our class and speak and we had to go around the table and talk about what we wanted to study. It seems like every time we went around the table, mine changed a little bit. <laughs> they said, get your stuff together. <laughs> right. And, and I was the one who started out knowing like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But every time it changed a little bit. And that's because, you know, I've read something. I was exposed to something else. Um, you know, I'd had conversations with other, you know, folks, mentors, friends, coworkers even. Um, because part of my topic really was born out of a conversation I had with a former coworker. Um, and then even the world's events. I'll be honest with you, the... Um, you know, just with everything going on in our world regarding race, race relations, um, and there's the social things going on in our world that has impacted what I've decided to work on for my dissertation and honestly has ultimately impacted what I want to do with my career. So all of that to say, it's fine to pick a topic, you know, early on, but you are going to be exposed to different things throughout your program. Don't be afraid to explore some other some other topics, if yeah. that makes sense. It does. Okay, good. Um, one of the other things that I think is important, too, is don't compare your journey in this process to other people's. Mm-hmm. This is, this is your journey. Man. <laughs> right. Right, because you start looking around and so and so is TA in this and 
so-and-so is guest lecturing for her advisor and this person is working on a research project and I'm sitting here like, oh, I can, I'm just barely getting through, you know, the articles for my sociology class. Mm-hmm. Don't compare your journey to others, you know, others' journeys. Decide what you're in control. So decide what it is that you want to do. Like be very intentional about it. So sit down and just take some quiet time with some paper and and a pencil and write this stuff down. What is it that I want to do? What's my why? And what do I want to do at the on the backside of this whole journey? What do I want life to look like? What do I want to be doing? And from there, decide what activities you want to engage in. If you know you don't want to teach, don't TA. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you just want to try it. But you know, don't commit to doing that. If you if you know you're in a program and you know quant research is not your thing, don't sign up. You know, with your advisor to do a heavy quant research project. Exactly. Figure out what you want this to look like on the back end, and craft your journey to look like that. And don't compare it to other people's journeys. You know, like I'm fortunate. My advisor is, is really hands on. So even when I um, when I got my first acceptance letter into the program and hadn't even gotten the acceptance letter from the university, he had already reached out to me. He was like, hey, remember me from your interview? I was this dude. I'm working on this project. I think you should join in. Yeah, I was fortunate you know, mm-hmm. in that regard, because again, my advisor is really hands-on. Other folks in my cohort, you know, didn't quite have those experiences. Yeah. And it, But it's okay. You know, it is, it's really okay. So make the journey yours, make it look like, and you, what you want it to, it to look like and experience what you want to experience because it, it's your PhD. It is your doctorate, not yeah. anybody else's. That that tip right there, especially, you know, in the, you know, everyone's so hyper connected, you know, because of social media, mm-hmm. um, you know, your Instagram, your Facebook, Twitter, and you just see things It's like, oh, look at that. It's a shiny bright spot. I want that, too. I want to be that. Right. So like, that that's so hard. That's so hard nowadays to not try to compare yourself and, and, and basically uh, base your level of success. Off, based off of someone else's, and they might be doing the opposite thing with you. Right. <laughs> make no sense. Right. Comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So don't compare yourself to others. Do This is yours. So you do you. Mm-hmm. And then I guess my final, it might not be my final, but my next tip <laughs> is to enjoy this journey. Um, just enjoy it. Take it for what it is. Try to find those things about your doctoral journey that you enjoy and do those and, and, you know, kind of keep those at the forefront of your mind because it gets hard and it is hard. Um, if it, if it wasn't in, if it wasn't this hard, everybody would be doing it. And so with that thought, you need to remember that you are blessed and fortunate and even I dare to say even privileged to, to have this opportunity. Uh, so make the most of it and enjoy it while you can. Um, and also use your experience to kind of pave the way for other people. That's a lot of responsibility. 
but um, share what you can when you can with people to help pave the way for them. You know, podcasts like yours yeah. um, are definitely, you know, like at the forefront of my mind. Um, you know, sharing your journey when you want to be a social media. You know, I often think about, and I'm a little older than you and probably some of your listeners. Um, but when I think about what you and other folks are doing, like I think about Alante over at um, Black and Grad School. Okay, and, you know, her, you know, she's awesome. And her her podcast and her, you know, circle and the work that she does. And again, folks like you, Cliff, um, it's important that we have these spaces mm-hmm. as as people of color, specifically Black folks, to yeah. talk about this journey, to share with others our journeys, to um, help and lift as we climb. Yeah. Um, it's important. And so one of the things I, I often want to share with folks is enjoy your journey. You know, we're, there are a small percentage of us in this world engaging this process and there's a small percentage of us in this world who have completed this process Um, so again it is it is your right but it is also a privilege that you are here Mm -hmm. so enjoy it use the opportunity to learn new things try things share with other people meet people um, take risks when you can that that's that that's really it you know yeah the the your story about listening to the um, professor or he was a researcher um, at the seminar mm-hmm. where you you notice gaps in the story because he wasn't a um, he wasn't on the ground being a practitioner and like you're saying you know there's a percentage of us in this space mm-hmm. of you know being a scholar quote unquote at the highest level um, and you know but if you look you know at the landscape. People who are on the ground making things move are up. Right. And can you can you imagine what academia would be? <laughs> can you imagine what academia would be, what research would be, what policy would be, um, and everything in the world that says it ought to be, this ought to be, um, if we were in that space. Right. You know, so right. you know, that's a powerful point. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm going to add a little bit more. I'm going to add a, a 5B yeah, or 5.5 because <laughs> um, this is one thing that I did that I found helpful and my my classmates and friends, they pick on me a little bit. They, they tell me the R in my name stands for resource. <laughs> I'm always like, hey, listen to this. Look at that. But um, to, to borrow a phrase from um, I believe it was Alante, you know, you got to get in these academic streets. Yeah. Okay. Cause you know, we're, we're small in number. Um, and not all of these processes and systems were made with us in mind. Um, so things happen that we may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. So saying that it is important that I, I implore folks to take some time to find resources tap into, you know, other scholars, other aspiring PhDs, other graduate students who are sharing information, um, you know, just about the process so that you learn and you know, you know, kind of what's going on as well. Um, And just just to help you be aware, 
and you know you know you're going to write a dissertation so start looking up you know dissertation resources mm-hmm. or or you know like you you've been experiencing some feelings of imposter syndrome which we all do mm-hmm. you know tap into some folks um social media is a powerful thing so you can find any and everything in body that you want to yeah. tap into some folks that um you know are talking about that and have created space to talk about it or um, to share resources about it. So become familiar. Like I'm, I'm a planner by nature. So when I got into my PhD program in February, March, and my classes started in August, oh, I made sure I pulled, I, I blew Amazon up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's bad when your UPS store people know you by name as soon as you get out of your car because you're there so much picking up stuff. But um, yeah, look at the books, order the books, go to the library and and get the books on, you know, how to become an academic writer, you know, so you're starting a PhD, all of those things just become well resourced in the process and and well informed on the process and every bit of it may not be applicable to you or every process might not look like the one that you're engaging in, but just be informed. I think is 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 my point there. Be informed about what this means to be an academician, what it means to be a scholar, what this process looks like or could look like for you. How do you do certain things? How do you write a literature review? You know, just become well resourced. Yeah. Well, look, well, you wouldn't believe it, but we're at fifty-one minutes. What? <laughs> if you let me talk this long. Well, when you're having fun and you're you know doing. You know, what I guess this is everyone's word, but you know, I, my friend Albert Sykes always says this: when you're doing when you're doing God's work, um, mm-hmm. you got you got time to you know talk about it. That's right. So I want I want to say thanks for coming to the podcast, and um, you know, your your cohort calls you resource. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you know I I know you're going to be a resource to everyone who listens. Well, um, thank to you. The podcast. And um, a bunch of my friends, they're, they're thinking about the, the stuff that uh, are studied in your program. And I'm hoping that they hear this and they say, okay, there it is. That's my first thought about um, starting a PhD program. And mm-hmm. you are the glimpse into why they will do it. Thank you. Thanks for coming. And for having um, me. Yeah, before we go, um, let people know where you want um, people to find you. If it's you know Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever it is, you can let them know. Sure. Um, okay. I guess I got to get used to that. So my social media, <laughs> um, I'm not quite a millennial. I'll tell you that much. Um, so on Twitter, I am Renice underscore Sauls. So R as in Richard, I-N-I-C-E underscore Sauls, S as in Sam, A-U-L-S. Um, I'm there. On, and my LinkedIn is my first and last name. Um, wish to link professionally Um, and so follow me there I'll try to give you some good content um, (laughs) and share Um, I'm trying to think my Instagram do people share their Instagrams too Eh, not really okay okay good (laughs) yeah Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best yeah cool awesome All right, thanks for coming.
Thank you for tuning in. Check back sometime soon for more PhD tips. Until next time, peace.